This evening, I had originally intended to continue on in our series in First John as we near the conclusion of our study, but as the week went on, as a pastoral team, we continued to have a burden to speak this evening to the events of the past weeks to help us to process these things biblically. We've lamented the very real injustices that have been carried out visibly and directly upon the African-American community, including the heartbreaking and unjust death of Armad Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd. We have seen riots and looting and city buildings on fire and people's long-standing businesses burning. We've experienced job loss and diminished wages and a crushed economy. We've watched politicians bickering and listened to people politicizing. These tumultuous events, dear friends, have exposed the realities that have existed for a long time, the deep divides in our nation, including and especially racial divides that have existed for a long time, long before these recent events brought renewed exposure to them. And as a result of these things, at times, we can feel, can we not, an unsettling mixture of emotions from sorrow, from confusion, to despair. So some of the questions before us as Christians in this day are, how do we respond to these things? How are we to think about them and process them? How we respond to evil and injustice? What posture should we take in the dialogue? Now, I'll be the first to say I'm not always sure about how to respond. Sometimes I can feel uh, like great difficulty in knowing how to process these things myself. I would imagine you may feel similarly um, don't we feel together at times, don't we feel powerless, unable to enact the real change that, that needs to take place? And in that moment of feeling powerless, dear friends, we can affirm one thing together, that Jesus, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only hope for peace in this world. Can we not affirm that together in those moments when we feel what can I do? What difference can I make? See, without Jesus, without the gospel, there is no hope for reconciliation. There is no hope for peace without him. And so we put all of our hope and our trust in him. And so in this world, dear friends, as God's people, he commissions us to spread the good news of the hope of Jesus Christ. See, this gospel that we proclaim, which the Apostle Paul makes clear in Ephesians 3, it has the power to break down dividing walls. These walls of hostility that separate people from one another, 
from God and others. This gospel has the power to break those walls that no other power can touch. This is the power of the gospel. This is why we proclaim the gospel. We continue to proclaim Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And this evening, for a few minutes together, we're just going to consider one solitary verse this evening. So if you have your Bible, would you turn with me to the prophet Micah chapter 6. God has given us this reminder so that we can be informed afresh again how to posture ourselves in such a time as this i grew up singing this verse to a song it's indelibly etched in my mind maybe you have as well micah 6 verse 8 he has told you oh man what is good and what does the lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. May the Lord bless the proclamation of his word. The context into which Micah speaks was one of spiritual decay, one of spiritual apostasy. The nation of Israel had risen to a place of economic dominance and prominence. Yet with that economic prominence, as is so often the case, the spiritual leadership of the people of Israel slid into decay. It slid out of a loving other's focusedness, and it walked right into self-centeredness. So God, out of his great mercy and love for his people, he, he sent the prophet Micah to deliver a message. He sent Micah to correct God's people out of their ungodliness and for the grave injustices they were perpetrating against one another. He did so in order that they would depart from ungodliness and return to him and experience his favor as they live for him. And God's plan for his people has always been and continues to be that we reflect his light in a dark world. Is that not the case? That's always been God's plan, that we might reflect the joy of Jesus Christ, that we might walk in the way that he has us walk. It's interesting, in verses 1 through 5, God asked these rhetorical questions of the people of Israel, asking them to answer him, like, why have you gone astray? He says in verse 3, what have I done to you? In verse 3, at the end, he says, How have I wearied you, dear church? I brought you out of Egypt. I took you out of slavery. I gave you leaders that served you. Verse 5, he says, I performed saving acts among you. So why have you gone away from me? In verses 6 to 8, then, we hear the prophet's response as he says it so clearly. Verse 8 just Capture it. You want to know what God wants us to do in these days, he says, in that context. And I say to us in this context, you want to know what God wants us to do? He lays it out very clearly. I didn't have to take any time to think of the 
three points for this message. They're right there. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. So those are our three points this evening. First of all, do justice. What does it mean to do justice? I believe it means to love the things that are just and right and true and equitable and fair. It means to hate falsehood and to oppose evil. It means to love that which is right and do what is honorable and what is true. No tilted scales, no underhanded ways. See, Israel's leaders weren't living justly. They were living for themselves. They had turned away from their God. Therefore, the people weren't living justly as well. So, so God, through, through Micah's voice, this messenger of mercy, he says, you want to know what to do? Here's what to do. Do justice. Do justice. Make sure that your heart and your practices align with your profession. If we say that we love God and we live in an unjust manner, there's some discrepancy there. And he says, you want to show your love? Do justice. See, there isn't a shred, you know this, there isn't a shred of injustice with God. Everything he says is perfect. Everything he does is just. It's always true. There's no shadow of injustice in our God. And he intends his people to mirror forth his image. And so he says, here's how you live it out in May and in June of 2020 in Souderton, Pennsylvania, and in our communities. Here's how we live it out. We, we do justice because God hates injustice. God is directly opposed to injustice. It is the exact opposite of his intention for his creation to walk in injustice. God loves justice. God is justice. See, God knows that we live in a fallen, evil world where justice is often not served. Sin has corrupted every last person as a result of Adam and Eve's transgression. Sin has come to us all. We have an inclination away from justice and a bent toward ourselves. Apart from God, we are self-centered and self-focused and self-worshipping. When the Holy Spirit, though, when the Holy Spirit comes and when the Holy Spirit grants us faith as he regenerates our hearts, he opens our eyes to see clearly so that we can repent of our selfishness. And God puts a new heart in the believing person. Therefore, we can walk in the newness of life. Micah's call to the leaders and to the people of Israel was to repent and walk in the newness of life. This corrective word comes not just, however, to those people. This corrective word comes to my heart this evening as I read this. What does the Lord require of me but to do justice in this fallen world? What is one way of many that we could talk about tonight to 
uh, practically apply living in a just way. See, applying a biblical ethic of justice always begins with ourselves, not looking outward at other people, but, but looking straight into our own hearts. We focus on ourselves first. So I just want to, for a moment, think about one area with you together, thinking about our speech. Biblical justice relates to the way that we speak to one another and we think about others. See, as Christians, we are called in this world to interact quite regularly with people outside of the people of God who think very differently from us. I know we're all aware of how differently at times we can think from those who are different from ourselves. And yet there is this call to speak with justice. How we carry ourselves in conversations, how we think and interact with people who don't think and believe the same way as we do is a matter of justice. See, for the Christian, we must, dear friends, we must speak to others with respect and honor. I mean, how true is this and how necessary is this in this hour, in these days? We must speak with respect and honor. And what is the principle undergirding that reality that God calls us to? Is it, well, we're going to speak with respect and honor to somebody else, provided that they speak to us with respect and honor? No, that's not the biblical basis That's not the just way to speak. We speak to other people with dignity and honor because they are created in the image of God. Whether or not they are speaking to us in a way that's respectful or honorable, and my goodness, don't we need help, dear friends, in this endeavor, in this pursuit. I need God's help to do this. But this is the call that we would speak with dignity and honor because every person that you'll ever meet has been made in the image of God. And therefore, they are due, you and I, treating them with honor and with respect because they have been created in the image of Almighty God. Regardless of how tarnished by sin that image may be, they are worthy of our respect and honor because they have been made in the image of God. So what does this mean for us as we speak to one another? It means we won't be rude. It means we won't speak impatiently. It means we won't use foul language when addressing other people. It means that we will speak with honor and respect, even when that same isn't returned to us. Dear friends, this may be easy right now, but there are times, can we not all confess, that this is challenging because the old flesh rises up in us and we want to speak at times in another way. God says, let justice roll down with the way you speak. God is speaking and addressing my heart. There's another way that justice speaks into our day very clearly and very directly. I was reading the manuscript of a sermon by another pastor that was given recently, and I'm borrowing one of their application points because they started 
talking about how we look at and view law enforcement. If I didn't have your attention before, I think I might have it now. It is not just to be disrespectful toward all those serving in law enforcement simply because of a small percentage of officers who are corrupt. It is not just to be disrespectful. Unfortunately, it is true that corrupt police officers exist in this world. That is true. And when they do wrong, it is grievous because they have taken a pledge to protect against injustice. So when they do wrong and when they abuse justice, they too should face justice. But it is not just for us to be disrespectful toward all officers because of the injustice of a few. Our town, our city, our country has many worthy servants. We do them justice by praying for them, by supporting them and not sinfully judging them. As you see them, thankful, thank them for their service and their sacrifice. You may have seen the news that just today, a police officer in California was ambushed and killed by a vigilante. This is grievous. This should not happen. Therefore, justice means we withhold judgment, we hold with respect and honor, even though there exist unjust police officers who should be brought to justice. See, dear friends, we need God's help to do this. And he wants to help us that we might do justice. Number two, we do justice. We love kindness. So let me start by asking a question. What does it mean to love something? It means that you've found a deep value in that thing, that object of your affection that you love, and, and that you'll act in accord with that love. So if you love someone or if you love something, um, it's easy to see it because it's what you love. It's whom you love. God says to us, here's something to love. Love kindness. Love, mercy. Every word has a range of meaning, and this, this word for kindness also has within its range of meaning, love, mercy. And so God, again, he wants us to reflect his image in all ways. So we do that by doing justice. We also do that. We bring honor to God by the way that we love kindness. Again, this is what the people of Israel had lost sight of. They were no longer kind to one another. They were, they were living for themselves. And so he says, no, do justly and love mercy, love kindness. By nature, we're not mercy lovers. By nature, we're, we're lovers of insurrection. We're lovers of ourselves. And so he has dealt with us so kindly. See, in, in this great love of Jesus Christ, we have experienced his mercy and his kindness. Jesus Christ didn't need to come, but out of kindness and out of love for you, he came into this world. 
People who have been mistreated could identify with Jesus because he too was mistreated. He too was bruised and beaten. And after it was all said and done, Jesus died and was resurrected to life so that God could be kind to you and to me by forgiving our sins. So we of all people should be the most happy in the world and therefore able to give away kindness. I read this story, and it's a gripping story, of a clockmaker who lived in Holland during the Second World War. His name was Casper. When Nazi Germany began to infiltrate his country and persecute Jewish people, he and his family members helped these Jewish people by giving them food and shelter from persecution and arrest. And for a while, they were able to serve many people, but soon he became arrested himself. As an old man, as he was being interrogated, Casper was offered a chance to be freed from prison, to go home on your merry way, if you would just stop helping the Jews. And he refused, saying, if I go free today, I will open my door tomorrow to anyone that comes looking for help. That sounds to me like a man who loves kindness. That sounds like a man whose heart has been changed by God. Because why would he put himself in harm's way? Why would he be willing to go to prison just for the privilege to love somebody? Why would he do that? Well, he wouldn't unless his heart had been changed by Almighty God. And he refused. The story goes on. He refused to stop helping people. And he went to prison. And nine days after he went to prison, he died alone on a heap of other prisoners. Not a wasted life. A glorious end to a life. Because he was there serving. He was... He was loving kindness. May God give us help in these days to love kindness. How do we do this? We, we keep our eyes, dear friends, on Jesus Christ. And we, we love him for what he's done for us. And we just seek to do so in response. Do justly. Love kindness. Third, walk humbly with your God. What does it mean to walk humbly with your God? We could talk about this for weeks. To walk humbly with God, though, I think means that we know our place. That we recognize that when we walk with God, we are the one looking up. God's not looking up at us. We're, we're looking up to him. So it means to embody humility in our hearts. That he is God and we are not. That, that he knows all. And we do not, 
that he is the one who holds all truth, and therefore in humility we look to him. This has a direct impact, again, on our lives and, and the way we interact with people around us, doesn't it? It makes a difference for the father at home who's seeking to lead his family well. Um, if he's walking humbly with God, the way he's going to interact with his family and his wife and his children is out of humility. It means that he'll quickly acknowledge his need for the Lord's help. It means that, that he'll submit to the Lord's word. It means that he'll want to be instructed by the Lord. To walk humbly with our God means that we will posture ourselves to love him and grow with him and adopt a posture of a learner. See, we seek to kill the prideful arrogance in us that says, I know the right way, follow me. No, it says, I know what God's word says, and I stand on that. But I'm a listener, I'm a learner. I'm going to open my ears and open my heart. We'll be quick to listen and slow to speak. See, walking humbly with God means we'll pray. Walking humbly with God means that we'll listen to his promises and believe his promises. Walking humbly with God is made possible only by the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, which in reflection upon it will increase our attitude and disposition and affection for God. And so, dear friends, as we come to a close, here's how I want to encourage us together. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with God. See, in light of the grave injustices and real evils in our world, we remind ourselves together this evening that, that there is one who is just and he is God and he's in charge. And so all of the evils that we perceive in the world, there is a day coming, dear friends, when the just judge will turn all the wrongs and make them right. Evil will not have the upper hand. God is on his throne, and he will judge the righteous, and he will judge the wicked, and evil will never have the upper hand. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We have confidence this evening because our God is in control. We have confidence this evening because he is perfectly just, and there's no shifting shadows in our God. So what do we do today? as we walk in this, these days and in this world that's filled with many injustices around, here's what we do. We put our hope in God. We put our trust in Him. And we say to Him, Lord, help me to do justice. When I see injustice, help me to speak and act against that and for the things that are right. Lord, help me to love kindness. I can think of no better way to love kindness than to return day by day to the glorious gospel that says, I was destined for hell. And Jesus, out of mercy, came to me and he rescued me and he saved me from my own damnation. And so that helps me to love kindness and receive it from him so that I can give it away. And there's nothing that helps me walk humbly 
with my God than being reminded that I should be somewhere far different for all eternity. See, sin in this world, it does something to us in eternity. It makes us long for those days because that day too is coming, dear friends, is it not? There is a fixed day and we're marching one day at a time on toward that day when we will be together with the Lord. All sickness and injustice and crying and pain and difficulty and bigotry, they'll all be gone. Praise the Lord. Woo, I cannot wait for that day. It's all gone. And it's coming. And tonight, Jesus wants to remind you that he's coming for you. He's got a place prepared. And it's good. Man, is it good. And I think what he's saying to us tonight is, keep your eyes on me. Though the world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, keep your eyes on me. Focus your heart on my mercy. Focus your heart on my love. And therefore, you'll be able to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. As we close, would you rise with me? We're going to sing a song to send us on our way. Would you rise even as we ask the Lord to do these things in our hearts? Dear Father, this evening we are so grateful to be together. We're so grateful that we have an unshakable hope Though, though the world seems to be getting away with great injustices, you have the final say. And so we look to you this evening and we put our hope in you tonight. And we say, Lord, enable us to do justice. Help us to do that which is right and fair and true in attitude and in action. We look to you. Lord, Help us to love mercy. Help us to keep our eyes on you and treat others as you have treated us. And Lord, we pray, help us to humbly walk with you, acknowledging to you our great need for you, submitting our hearts to you, Lord, responding to your correction and your counsel and your love. So Lord, as we'll sing in just a moment, take our hands and our feet and our mouth and our eyes, our lips, Lord. We give them to you and we pray, help us to be your messengers in this place. You have set your church apart that we might be a beacon on a hill that hope would flow to other people as we joyfully proclaim this gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we now, we turn to you and consecrate ourselves to you. Lord, help us as we do this, that Jesus might be seen in us in this world. We pray together in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.